welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hey, good morning, Gateway. So great to be back with you. I'm starting to feel like your Swedish associate pastor. Thanks so much for having me. It's such a, uh, every time we meet and come to the Gateway family, we really feel like it's a second home to myself and to my family. So thanks so much again for having me back in your wonderful church. Um, Like you just heard, this is actually the last stop of a three and a half week uh, ministry trip that I've been doing to Ecuador, to Australia, to Southeast Asia, to Europe, and now, of course, the highlight, Houston, Texas. That's amazing. Can't wait to see my family tonight, actually. I so look forward to that. Um, I just have to say, coming from Europe to the U.S., now, uh, my family and I established a second home over here a a year and a half ago, and every time we come from Europe to the U.S., we're just reminded of one thing. Guys, you are, I don't know if you were aware of it, but you are the world champions of social interaction, Europe is a quiet place, and then we come over here, and people talk and talk to strangers, and, you know, Europeans get really, like, uh, confused about this. You go into an elevator in Europe, it's quiet. You come into an elevator in the U.S., and somebody will say, what's up? And we don't know how to process that, you know. (laughs) Why are you referring to an app on my phone, you know? (laughs) Sorry. Um... And, and it, I don't know what it's about, you guys, but it's like when, when the plane yesterday entered into U.S. airspace, everybody just started talking and being nice to one another. And we learned that now, that every errand we do as a family, we always have to allow 20 extra minutes of uh, time to make room for spontaneous conversation with strangers. And we just absolutely love it. Uh, funny thing, though. As I arrived from Houston Airport last night, I came in from London, meaning I had to go through immigration and show my passport and my visa. Now, my visa is an R1 visa. R stands for religious, which allows me to work as a pastor here in the U.S. But that visa is very specific. It's kind of unusual. So I can tell from the immigration officer last night when he looked at my visa that it was the first time he's seen one of those. And also, it turned out he had very little experience of church and Christianity in general. So he asked, what is this? I said, this is an R1. It's a religious visa. And, and he said, so, so what do you do? <laughs> I'm, I said, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and, and I travel quite a lot, and I teach, and I speak at churches and conferences. He looked at me and said, oh, so you're a monk. <laughs> I said, not really. Uh, like I just said, I'm a pastor, and I travel a whole lot, and I speak from the Bible in, in a, to, to churches and congregations. And he looked at me and just said, you know what, I'll just write monk. <laughs> so he wrote monk, so from now on, I guess you can refer to me as Monk Joachim. <laughs> and I'm very happy to lead you into a meditation this morning here at Gateway. <laughs> No, just kidding. I have a message in my heart that, that I, I pray and I hope will minister to, to you. So would you please turn to your neighbor and ask them, I hope you're ready for the Word of God. 
And you can turn to your other neighbor and say, and I hope you're ready for some Swedish accent. <laughs> I want to talk to you this morning about God's dreams in your heart. God's dreams in your heart. And before we get into the Word of God, let me just take you along to a place in California that I'm sure many of you will be familiar of. It's a place called Death Valley. Now, Death Valley is an area of desert. It's one of the roughest places on the face of the earth because it's way too hot for anyone, anything to live there, and it's also way too dry for anything to grow there. So you look at the Death Valley and you, you might think this is a completely hopeless piece of land. You know, no life whatsoever and no hope. However, a few rare occasions uh, when the weather conditions have to be very unique and very specific, there are times where rain clouds will actually come in over Death Valley and rain will pour down for hours and hours upon this dry land. And when that takes place, you know what happens? You're supposed to say no. Thank you. I had one no. Let's do that again. When that takes place, you know what happens? No. Great, because I'm going to tell you. This happens. The whole desert area turns into this amazing, colorful garden. And people from all over the world come to study this amazing transformational miracle. How in the world could such a dead and dry and hot place turn into this amazing piece of beauty and color? And of course, the answer to that question is because there were seeds in the ground. There were seeds in the ground. Now, because those seeds were not yet activated, you might look at the Death Valley surface and say, there's nothing here, there's no hope, there's no chance for any change. But those seeds were just waiting for the rain to come, my friend, for the rain to come in. And why am I talking about Death Valley to you this morning? Because maybe you have a Death Valley area in your life right now. Maybe you have an area that stares you in the face and tells you nothing will ever grow here. Nothing will ever live here. This area is hopeless. Maybe your financial situation is like a Death Valley. Maybe your relationships it's like a death valley. Maybe your marriage feels like a death valley. Maybe you're going through a depression that makes you feel like a death valley uh, in regards to your mental health. Maybe even your relationship with God feels like a death valley. Well, God sent me all the way from Sweden to tell you there are seeds of change in that death valley. And the rain is coming your way. The rain is coming your way. Praise God. You know what, if you have a Death Valley area in your life, I got good news, you're in great company. Because almost every single person in the Bible that God called to serve him had a Death Valley situation in their lives. We have a young Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. God calls this young man to become a prophet. And he says, no, I can't. I'm too young. You know, his inexperience was a death valley to him. And in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel comes to the, vir uh, the Virgin Mary and says, I, I want you to be the mother of my son Jesus. And she says, how can this be? I, I haven't had a, a man. I, I don't have experience in that area. It's a, it's a death valley situation here. 
And in Exodus chapter 2, God comes to Moses and says, I want you to be the spokesperson of my words to Pharaoh. And he says, I cannot speak. You don't understand God. There is a death valley situation right here and right now. And the beautiful thing is that even though all these people had a Death Valley situation, God knew that inside their hearts he had planted seeds of change. Ephesians chapter 1 says that before the foundation of the world, God chose us, God called us, and he planted the seeds that he knew that you would need in your life for, to see any way, any kind of Death Valley situation turn into a beautiful and colorful garden. Can we say amen in the house of the Lord? Praise God. If you brought your Bible, would you please go with me to Genesis chapter 17? And I just want to read... Together with you, two verses about God encountering a man with a very def uh, definable Death Valley situation in his life. And his Death Valley area was the fact that he did not have any children. And God speaks to this man, Genesis 17, from verse 4. He says, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father. Can we say, Gateway, you will be the father. Of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Can we say I have made you a father. So what God is saying to this man. With a death valley area in his life. Is that you will become a father. For I have made you a father. You will become what I've already made you. You will become who you already are in my eyes. You see, when God speaks to you, he doesn't speak to you from the perspective of your present performance. He speaks to you from the perspective of the seeds that he has planted inside your heart. You will become who you already are, Abraham. I've already made you a father. I already look at you as a father. And now it's just about you becoming what I've already made you. I'm not saying you can become anything. Because some people think they can become anything and they can't. Have you ever watched American Idol? There's some people going on that stage full confident, fully confident uh, they are the best singer in the world. And then they open their mouth and we go, oh. <laughs> Somebody should have told you. Your mama should have told you before you went on national TV that maybe this is not your thing. Maybe there's some other thing for you, but this is not it. You cannot become anything, but you be can become everything that God has already made you. And he has made you holy in Christ so you can become holy in your lifestyle. He's turned you into more than a conqueror in Christ so you can become more than a conqueror in your real everyday life. Amen. He's placed all the seeds already in your heart that will can come alive as the rain comes and turn whatever death valley you're facing today into a beautiful, colorful garden. Can we say amen in church? And this is why, you know, God will always use people with Death Valley areas. The Death Valley area is not a problem to him because he will look at the seeds planted inside that desert. 
That's why in the book of Judges, chapter 6, he comes to a teenager called Gideon. And at the time, Gideon was nothing about a teenage coward. He was hiding out from the Midianites who were occupying Israel at the time. But still, as this teenage boy, scared to death, is hiding away from the enemies, God comes to him and he says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What in the world is going on here? We can see that Gideon is anything but a mighty warrior. So is God lying? Of course not. God is not a man that he could lie. Is God just giving him a pep talk? No, God is not shallow. What God is doing is that he speaks to him according to the seeds of a mighty warrior that is already planted inside of him. And he calls on the things that are not as though they were. Gideon, in my eyes, you're already a mighty warrior. I made you a mighty warrior. Now it's time for you to become who you already are. And this is also why God keeps using people that this world is not counting on. Unexpected people. Because man will look at the exterior, but God will look at the heart. God will look at the seeds planted inside the human heart rather than look at the limitations of the exterior. And here, Gateway, is where I want to introduce you to my favorite church member from back home. Uh, I know that as a pastor, I'm not allowed to have favorite church members. And I'm sure Pastor Ethan and Elaine would never, ever have any such thing as favorite church members. But, but I do. <laughs> and my favorite church member is this guy. is called Jonathan. And Jonathan is an amazing boy with Down syndrome. And... Um, just for context, guys, even though I'm ashamed to say this, I just want you to know that in Sweden, where I'm from, uh, when a woman finds out she's pregnant, they're going to do a special test called the KUB test to find out if the baby she's expecting has got Down syndrome. And if it does, 95% of those babies are aborted, which is horrible, and also sends such a, such a horrible message to the Down syndrome community. Really saying, you should not even be here. It was a mistake that you were born in the first place. Well, let me tell you this. Jesus loves Jonathan. Jesus loves Jonathan. And we as a church, Word of Life Church, we want to create a counterculture to that spirit of death. So presently we're running 11 Christian schools in our city. And two of them are exclusively for kids with Down syndrome and other special needs. And let me tell you, if I need some encouragement a single day, if I've had a bad day, I know exactly where to go to get that encouragement. I just go into one of those two schools. And these kids, they just shine like the sun. And uh, I just love them so much. <laughs> it's, you know, sometimes they say that Down syndrome kids have got one chromosome too, too much. But I do believe it's the rest of us who's got one chromosome too little. Because they have something of joy uh, uh, over them that is just so unique and beautiful. So anyway, um, the other year when Jonathan was 11, he was downtown a certain day with his teacher. And they were doing what we call city training. And this is where we take these kids down in, in the city center. And we teach them how to cross the street, how to make a purchase in a store. Basically how to get around in a city environment. 
So Jonathan was doing city training that day, and all of a sudden, when he and his teacher was crossing the main square that is the center of our city, Jonathan stops, and he starts to sing at the top of his voice. And, and I don't know, maybe you do that in Houston, Texas every single day. I don't know. I'm not from here. But in Sweden, not so much. This boy just stands there in the middle of the square, sings his heart out, and he sings a weird song that the teachers never heard him sing before. He sings, there's a tree in my garden that is a hundred years old. And teacher just stands there and listens and says, yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead, sing your heart out, Jonathan. Just a few minutes later, a woman comes up to the teacher. Tears are flowing down her face. She points at Jonathan and asks the teacher, what is that boy, why is that boy singing that song? Teacher says, I have no idea. And the woman tells her story. It turns out she's been suffering from long-term serious depression. And now she's lost every reason or motivation to go on living and she's contemplating suicide. But that morning, all alone in her apartment, she prayed her very first prayer to God ever in life. And she prays, God, if you're out there and if you care about me and if there is a reason for me to go on living, give me a sign of your existence. Have someone around me sing the favorite song that my mother used to sing to me when I was a little girl. The song about the tree that was a hundred years old. Hours later, as she passes by the square of our city, she passes by an 11-year-old boy with Down syndrome who my nation says shouldn't even be alive. And he hears the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he sings the song that needed to be sung at that moment. And that woman got the sign she was looking for and she gave her life to Jesus right there in the square. Can we make some noise for the glory of Jesus? The world might look at Jonathan's exterior and say, no, 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 nothing can happen here. God looks at the heart of Jonathan and the seeds of an evangelist that he has placed inside this young boy. Amen? Amen. So, if God is the one who plants the seeds of change inside our hearts, and if God is the one who brings the rain of the Holy Spirit to quicken these seeds in due time, then the big question really is, what is our piece of the puzzle. What, what do we need to add to the equation for this to happen, for our desert areas, our death valley areas to turn into these beautiful, colorful gardens of the Lord? Well, our part to play, my friends, is really all about the heart, about guarding our hearts, about maintaining a pure heart. Because the seeds of God is not planted in your talent or in your experience. It's planted in your heart. And that's why God's word keeps coming back to the importance about guarding our hearts and making sure our hearts are right before the Lord. You know, the word heart is the second most used word in the Bible. Second only to the name of the Lord is the word for the human heart. It says something about how important our hearts are. That's where the seeds are, and that's what needs to stay soft in order for the seeds to be able to grow. And let me just mention two things 
that God has to find in your heart for this process to be successful, for all these dreams to be turned into reality. Number one, he needs to find a humble heart in us. A humble heart. James chapter 4 and verse 6 says that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And I find it amazing that, you know, there are some lists in the Bible of things that God hates. And when you find such a list, number one on that list is always pride. And you can read that and say, really? Pride number one? Shouldn't pride be like six or seven? Out of all the horrible things that we can do as human beings, is pride really the worst thing? But the problem with pride, you see, is that it hardens your heart. And it stops the seeds from growing. Because pride will tell you, I don't really need the rain. I can get these seeds to grow in my own strength. Through my skills, through my talents, through my money, through my friends, through the amount of my Instagram followers or whatever. But that's a lie and your death valley will stay a death valley until you humble your heart and acknowledge your need for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And this is why God works so hard to keep our hearts humble. And, and he does that in various ways. I mean, one of the ways that he uses to keep us humble is his word. Amen. Amen. Have you ever, like myself, have you ever opened the Bible and you, you've been reading and you've been hoping and, and thinking that the arms of the Lord will come out of the Bible to give you a comforting hug and pat on the back? Instead, the hand of the Lord reached out of the Bible to slap you in the face. You read something that speaks straight into that weak spot, spot in your character. Something that points the, the finger at that secret sin that you tried to hide away from God. And God humbles your heart, brings you to repentance, so your heart will still be humble and soft and moldable so that the seeds can grow. Amen. He will use his spirit and work with your conscience to keep you humble. But the way that he uses that we dislike the most is when he uses other people. <laughs> when he sends other people into our way to just say stuff and point out weaknesses in our character. And man, we have such a hard time dealing with that, don't, don't we? Oh, we go, oh, we become defensive. Who are you to tell me blah, blah, blah. But he does all that to keep your heart humble so that the seeds in your Death Valley area can grow. Amen. Amen. Let me just tell you about one, one, uh, one of those times when that happened to, to me in my life. Okay. For context, back home at Word of Life in Sweden, to which you're all invited, by the way, to, to visit. Just don't come in the winter because you would die. Um, <laughs> but back at Word of Life, we do a biannual event called the Euro Tour. This is where we, um, uh, about 150 of our young people are involved in the process of putting together a 45-minute evangelistic concert that is a combo of music and dance and drama, spoken word, multimedia, presenting the gospel of Jesus, really, for a person who is, no, uh, who is not familiar with it at all. And then when this concert is done, we go on a tour for a number of weeks, working together with local churches all over Europe. And we perform this Jesus concert outdoors in city centers all over Europe. 
So we've been performing it in London and Paris and Rome and Budapest and Berlin, Copenhagen, you know, all over Europe, basically. And we see thousands and thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ right there in the open squares of Europe. So that's, that's incredible. So anyway, this specific year... Uh, we were quite far down the process of preparing for the upcoming Euro Tour. We had the tour schedule pretty much worked out, where all of a sudden one day there was a knock on my door. And I've been working with young people so long that I can identify them by the way they knock on my door. Honestly, if I hear this knock, I know it's an adult, it's an old person like myself on the outside. But if I hear this, there's a teenager outside. So I say, come in, and in comes a 14-year-old girl from our youth ministry, and she's fired up. She said, Pastor, I got this amazing idea. As we do the, the Euro Tour this upcoming summer, why don't we do a big fat Jesus concert at Disneyland Paris? <laughs> and I, I, I look at her, and I smile, but it's this kind of smile, because in my back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, little girl, the things you do not know, the things you do not know, and the things you do not understand. Disneyland, I mean, our concert is like Jesus in your face. Disneyland would never, ever allow such a thing in one of their amusement parks. Of course not. But I didn't want to embarrass her, tell her to her face. So I just said, interesting. <laughs> now, now leave, <laughs> And she said, okay, thanks for hearing me out, Pastor. And she left and she closed the door. And I'm honest to you, Gateway. When she left, her idea was already halfway down my mental waste paper basket. I had no intention of following up this crazy idea at all. So I was just going back to whatever I did before she came into my office. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, Joachim. When did you become so proud to not even consider if an idea is from me simply because the messenger is 14 years old? <laughs> that just pierced my heart. And I repented and I reached down in my mental waste paper basket and I took up this idea and I looked at it and said, what do I do with this? This is crazy. And the only thing I could think of was to call Disneyland Paris. And I so did not want to call Disneyland Paris. <laughs> because I didn't want to make a fool out of myself. But you see, that's the definition of pride right there. When you elevate your... Uh, like when you elevate your concern about what other people may think of you above your obedience to whatever the Spirit asks you to do, right then and right there, that's the definition of pride. So I called Disneyland Paris and I said, hello. <laughs> I'm a pastor from Sweden. Uh, basically, can we come and do a 45-minute Jesus concert at Disneyland Paris? Doesn't that sound like a great idea? And as soon as they found out what I was calling about, they started passing me on to another guy. Or, oh, you need to talk to him. You need to talk to Jean-Pierre. Or you need to talk to, you know, someone else. And, and I was passed along one after another. Nobody wanted to deal with me. But eventually I ended up with a person I, I guess was the lowest one in the food chain that didn't have any, anyone else to pass me on to. And so she had to hear me out. 
And she said, we've never had a request like this before. We never had anything Christian happen at any one of the Disneyland parks ever. And I said, happy to be the first. And then she said, you, you know, just, just send us your promo videos and we'll call you back. And the sound of her voice was, yeah, we're totally never going to call you back, you idiot. So I sent the promo videos and said a prayer and, and just said, okay, I've done whatever I could do. Seven days later, they called me back. And they said, again, we never had anything Christian at Disneyland. But these videos are good. So we called a board meeting. And uh, we're ready to give you a chance. They said, what we're going to do, we want to offer you a 15-minute slot on the smallest stage of Disneyland, the Winnie the Pooh stage. <laughs> and then she asked this, are you okay with Winnie the Pooh from a Christian perspective? <laughs> and I said, we adore Christ. All Christians adore Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh, we love Winnie the Pooh with all of our hearts. For a Christian, Jesus is there, but Winnie the Pooh is right there, right there. So we came to Disneyland Paris and we did a 15-minute Jesus concert on the, on the Winnie the Pooh stage. And they loved it. And they said, next time you come back, we want to give you 30 minutes on the Buzz Lightyear stage. <laughs> so we came back and we did a 30-minute Jesus concert on the Buzz Lightyear stage and they loved it. And next time they said, we're going to give you next time, we're going to give you the full 45 minutes on the central stage. So we came back and we did a concert on main stage Disneyland, preaching the gospel of Jesus for 45 minutes. And, and when I saw our young people go crazy on that stage for Jesus, and I looked out over the thousands of people with Mickey Mouse ears, I thought, thank you, God, for a 14-year-old girl that God used to humble my heart so this impossible dream can become reality. Can we give some praise to the name of Jesus in the house of the Lord? Praise God. And the, the other thing that God needs to find in our hearts, and I'm going to close with this. The other attitude, the other element that God is looking for in our hearts is he needs to find an open heart. He needs to find an open heart. Because, you know, sometimes the dreams of God are larger than the present state of your heart. And then you're left with two options, really. Either God has to shrink down his dreams to fit the present size of your heart, or we can expand our hearts and open up them so that God's even the big, the impossible dreams are able to fit. Isaiah 55 says that my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Meaning we need to open our hearts. Because you see, the process of a plant growing up is not only down to the potential of the seed, but to the size of the flower pot. You can take a seed, you can take an acorn with the potential to grow into a majestic oak tree, 
and place it in a small, tiny flower pot. And you will have a little plant come up, and maybe it's going to be very cute and very nice, but it's going to be nowhere near the full potential that is found in that acorn. So let's not limit God's dreams by having hearts that are too small and too narrow. Amen? Let's expand our hearts. Every time I pray in the Spirit, I can feel my heart expanding. Every time I read the Word of God and proclaim the Word of God, I can feel my heart expanding. Every time I hang out with people who believe that nothing is impossible for God, I can feel my heart expanding. So just allow your heart to open up. And if your experience has been a negative one lately and you have allowed your heart to shrunk, my brother, my sister, it's time to open it up wide again so that the seeds of God planted in your Death Valley area can go f- grow fully and grow freely. Amen? Yeah. Let me just uh, praise God. Let me just share one more. Can I share one more story? Yeah. Please say yes. I'm going to do it anyways. You might, you might as well. It makes me feel better if I have your permission. Uh, a few years ago, I took my core team in, in the church uh, leadership on a cruise in the Baltic Sea of Scandinavia. Now, people of Houston, Texas, um, it's very, very important for you to understand that a cruise in the Baltic Sea of Scandinavia is very different from a cruise in the Bahamas. Okay, Scandinavia is a cold place. So you don't go really for the sun and for the great experience. If you go on these cruises, it's for one of two reasons, okay? One of them is that people go to buy tax-free liquor and get really drunk. And the second reason is for people to use the great conference facilities on board. So just to clarify, we were there for the, for the second one of, of, of the reasons, just to be very clear about that, okay? So we were having a great time praying and planning and strategizing and dreaming for the upcoming year in church and setting faith goals for new church plans and new campuses and new mission initiatives and so on. And we were having a great time. And, and then we had a coffee break one day. And I, was, I remember, like it was today, I took my empty coffee cup and I walked over to the coffee machine. And just as I put the, cof- the mug into the machine, I had a thought. And it came from out of nowhere. Could we rent this entire cruise ship? Could we, like, fill it with thousands of on-fire Jesus-loving teenagers? And make a youth conference at sea? Could we like turn this whole ship into a great prophetic proclamation over Sweden that Jesus is alive and well in its young generation? And then another voice in this ear said, no you can't. Because it's never been done before. And it's going to be so expensive and it's impossible. But then this voice came back over here, whispering this time, saying, remember Disneyland. And I remember Disneyland. And I walked back to my my staff and, and and my key leaders and I shared this dream. And we started praying in the spirit. We started proclaiming God's word. And we said, God, if this is you, we will choose to believe that nothing is impossible. Even though we've never done anything like this before. Even though it seems impossible, we will expand our hearts. We will open our hearts. And this dream will not die because of the size of our hearts. If this is you, we're going to let it grow fully 
and freely. So I called the company that owns these boats. I'm getting good at these phone calls now. And I said, basically, can we rent one of these ships and have a youth conference at sea? And they said, we never had the question asked like that before. I said, happy to be the first. And then they send us a financial offer. And I looked at it, way too many zeros at the end. Way too many. That was money that I didn't have. And even if I had them, it would be immoral to spend them on a cruise. So, uh, but we just kept praying. Kept praying in the Spirit, kept proclaiming the Word of God, and kept expanding our hearts. Little did we know that at the exact same time, the CEO of this company, who was not a Christian, by the way, had just been asked by his two daughters, Dad, how come we're so rich? How did you make all this money? How come, how did you become a millionaire? And for the first time in his life, his conscience started to bother him. Because he realized he made his fortune from pouring alcohol into thousands of people. And he, did, he wasn't comfortable with sharing that with his daughters. At the same time, he heard that there is a church that wants to rent one of those ships, the biggest one, and make a youth conference at sea. So he gathered his board and said, we have to do this for the sake of our own hearts. So they lowered the financial offer with almost 80%. And all of a sudden, this whole dream came within reach. So we rented the largest cruise ship in Scandinavia. <laughs> and we took thousands of young people to board it. And we turned the whole place into a church for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I wish you would have been there to see thousands of young people celebrating the name of Jesus in one of the most secularized nations in the world. National media wrote about this. I especially loved one headline that said, maybe God is not dead after all. And it just became this prophetic proclamation that Jesus Christ is alive and well in the young generation of Sweden. <laughs> just one, one funny uh, kind of episode in the whole story. Uh, you know, obviously when they build these ships, they obviously, they, it, it turns out that they build them to kind of spread the weight of the passengers evenly. So there's going to be one theater in the front, one in the back, and one big restaurant to the right and one to the left, so that the weight of the passengers will be, will, will be distributed evenly and the, and the ship will be stable. Nobody told us about that. We just wanted to know, where's the biggest theater on board this ship? And that was right at the back of the ship. So we brought all the thousands of young people in to that theater right at the end of the ship. We got the worship going and pumping. So everybody starts jumping up and down. And the captain freaked out. He said, I've never felt anything like it. The whole ship is doing this. And I thought to myself, I would have given anything to sit on an island in the Swedish archipelago and see the largest cruise ship in Scandinavia go by doing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, church, can we give, make some noise for Jesus? But I knew we could have missed this so easily simply by having hearts that are too narrow. Hearts that would say, this cannot be done. It's impossible. It's never been done before. Sometimes we just need to expand our hearts. And I just want to invite you right now 
to open up your heart in the presence of the Lord in this place. I want to pray for you. If you're facing a Death Valley situation, but you're willing to say, God, I trust you that there are seeds of life in my Death Valley, and I want the rain to come and fall down and turn my impossible situation into a beautiful, colorful garden. Let's stand up in the presence of God, Gateway, and let me just pray a prayer for you. If you just stand in the presence of God, and if you identify a Death Valley area in your life right now, then just start to open up your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to breathe new hope and breathe new life and breathe new inspiration and faith that a change will take place. He's got already prepared those seeds inside your heart. And I just feel that he wants to rain down on them so they can come alive and turn your death valley into that beautiful garden. So, Father, here we are in Jesus' name. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can become everything that you have already made us. And we thank you, Father, that even in our death valley situations, you have placed secret seeds. And Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts for the rain to quicken them, to revive them, to have them come alive and to change our present death valley into a beautiful, colorful garden for the glory of the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for the grace to remain humble in our hearts. We pray that if you ever find pride in us, that you would point it out and, and have us repent so that our hearts will always stay soft and moldable. And Father, we also pray for the grace to constantly expand our hearts, to dream your high dreams, your, your high thoughts, Father, and never ever limit the growth process of the seeds you planted inside of us because of the narrow size of our heart. Father, bless your people. Rain down on your people and turn every single death valley into a beautiful garden for the glory of your name. I, we pray that every single one of your dreams and plans will be fulfilled, will come to pass for the glory of your name. This we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And all people said, Amen. Can we make some noise for the glory of the name of Jesus? Thank you so much, Gateway. Thanks for joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location, or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.